You're listening to the Saturday Morning D&D Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan, with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. You might be a little confused because it's a Saturday morning D&D show, uh, but now we are the Saturday morning Magic the Gathering unboxing, apparently. So uh, we were very excited for the Dungeons and Dragons Adventures in the Forgotten Realms Magic set, uh, and we both got a bunch of cards. We're going to open some kind of casually throughout the stream here, uh, but I know, Lucian, you're kind of chomping at the bit there with your your large box that you haven't even opened. Would you like to show us what's inside? I, I haven't even opened. I'll, I'll transition some of the things we got here. So yeah, I, uh, we put a uh, little camera for you guys to be able to see. I have an unopened box here from my local brick and mortar. We can see uh, Jordan's couple of packs. So he, like a kid on Christmas, had to open wait. one present. Yeah, I opened mine. <laughs> I opened mine except for... Uh, Except yeah. for these last four packets. So. so no, while I'm unwrapping this, why don't you go ahead and show us what you got there on yours, and I'll slowly unwrap this. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, well, uh, let's open a couple. So um, this book came. This came with some really fun stuff. So this is the. This is like a pretty large uh, D20 because part of the mechanics is rolling a D20, mm -hmm. um, and I thought that was uh, interesting. Not all the cards do that, but some of them. And then. Uh, it also came with these larger cards that are the dungeons uh, and that you can go down into. And so if you needed like extra large text or something, and I apologize, I'm probably going to be facing away from the mic as I come down here. <laughs> Just give you guys a little look. And then, uh, and then it came with some boosters. And I think Lucian, uh, I think we got the same thing. I also oh, yeah. bought a, uh, yeah, I also bought a, uh, commander deck because I was curious about that. Oh, I didn't see them on the shelf. I only went in. I only had like a five minute window to drone in, come back out. So mm -hmm. I got to go back and spend some time and look. Um, embark on a quest. MTGthestory.com. So maybe we can find <laughs> some stuff there. There's adventures. I don't know if we talked oh, about this a couple this. weeks ago. Yeah, that's cool. So they, they wrote, it's, it's, Apparently, uh, according to some people I saw, it's not the best written adventure, but they're they're definitely tying in Dungeons and Dragons and uh, Magic the Gathering because the villain is like a, a grandson of someone from Ravnica who married a Faerunian person back in the day. Right. Um, and they're going to release five adventures, and ironically, not ironically, but surprisingly to me, they're fifth or ninth level adventures. And you don't see that in general from Wizards of the Coast. So I was no really, the high levels. Yeah, I was really like, wait, what? And so, so did you get the same three extra sized cards? Yeah, for the maps. Yeah. So what? Which ones did you get? Oh, there's only three. Those are the only three. Oh, those are the yeah. only. So there's not. Uh, okay. The so only Tomb three dungeons are Lost Mine of Phandelver, Dungeon yeah. of the Mad Mage, and Tomb of Annihilation. But Dungeon of the Mad in Mage. this one I just got, yes. um, if you finish. Tomb of Annihilation, you get uh, the Atropal. Oh, look at that. Which is has a 4-4 a four, four death touch. And we've got some glare problems because we kind of did this last minute, so I apologize. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's okay, though. Very cool. All right, so those came in it. Um, there's a box. This must be a card box, maybe. Just to hold some stuff extra, or so. it's a spacer. So we'll just put that aside. This was pretty cool. This is like a very textured, like when you feel it, um, textured box. Yes, I did get the giant size D D20. What color though? Oh, you got the same color as me. Okay. Okay. That's fun. Then you said we got the uh, the regular kind of cards here. Yeah. So those are for lands, I think. For yeah. reference, that's the adventure cards are bigger for sure. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Um, yeah, these ones look like probably normal lands, and they look like they're... They do have the symbol of the set, though. So on Magic cards, a lot of times they have their set symbol. Yeah, those are those are lands for the... Yeah. Um, 
for the Adventures in Forgotten Realms. So, and if you oh, yeah, read yeah. them, they're from like Neverwinter. Yeah, ten towns. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, very cool. It's really cool. Like the the flavor text has been a lot of fun to go through because uh, it's all it's all Forgotten Realms lore. So it's kind of fun. So turn order. If you guys have never played before, figure it out. Very cool. And then. Then you get to the good stuff. So the, the, <laughs> look at this stack. Very look nice. Look at that. That is so cool. And then I did also get, um, just for fun, one other stack. Of, this was the pre-lease pack I saw. So I think other people already had these early on. But since I saw it there, I thought it'd be kind of cool to have. What is it? A pre-release the pack? The pre-release pack? They were what still selling some. Well, it's a... It's another sleeve... With another cool card holding device. Okay. And then, oh boy, what do we got here? Oh, I thought that was going to be the card. <laughs> I thought I got the, the holder. Um, I got a Circle of Dreams Druid. Ooh, that's that is a. There we go. Circle of Dreams foil. Feels like there's another foil one in there. Might be more than one. Oh, yeah. You said the Atropal. Yep. Foil. That's cool. And on the back should be the um, the mate, the dungeon. Yeah. Yeah. So when you complete the dungeon, you can flip over that card, and then you have your uh, Atropal, which I thought was cool. The Skeleton. Yeah, those are your tokens. That's fun. With the uh, Lost Mines of Fandelver on the back of it. And the Goblin. My dogs are going to bark today because they're murky. Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Spacer. And then packs, man. Just packs and packs and packs. So very cool. Did you open... Um, so I assume these are just regular packs. These ones say 15-card draft booster. Same thing. So these just look like the same. Yep, they're all boosters. So you get same like a rare and some commons and uncommons. and Yeah. So. Very, very cool. Yeah. All right. My friend and I, the reason I had to open these early is because my friend was opening his and he's sending me pictures. He's going to come <laughs> over at some point and like, we're going to figure out the new game mechanics together. But he yeah, was, uh, he got a, a Tiamat on his first open and he was so excited about it. <laughs> yes, Tiamat would be good. Oh, these are kind of foiled lands too. They've got a little gloss to them. Mm -hmm. So they're, yeah, that's pretty cool. Looks like about five of each, four of each, and a treasure chest for a white uh, artifact. Mm -hmm. Artifact, no color token, so very cool. Uh, lands, more lands. These are cool, man. Um, I was looking at uh, the Strixhaven news because I think they removed the subclasses from uh, the playtest. Did you hear about that? Yeah, so I saw on, I was in a, I guess a Twitter discussion at some point where WebDM had mentioned it and they had said, huh, I kind of like those things, yeah, but they replaced them. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting because, I don't know, they're going to use feats and I don't, and some people were saying like, well, not everyone can take feats, but I was like, well, but they can change the, the rules so that everybody gets a feat at certain levels or something. Yeah. Uh, but I'm really curious about how that's going to work, I guess. Well, and the comment came from the returned survey showed overwhelmingly people did not want subclasses that spanned multiple classes, which I just yeah. thought was such a weird, because that was not my response on the survey. <laughs> I was all about it. I was thinking this is a really cool way to open up what you could do with subclasses if you had a subclass that fit a cleric and it worked one way, but when you put that subclass with a fighter, it maybe worked slightly differently. That seemed really like a cool idea and a cool avenue to go down, but apparently I'm in the minority of that. Uh, nobody else it, wanted people that. People felt that it wasn't very... Um, yeah, people felt that it wasn't very... Uh, you want to feel unique in d and I guess. And so if I'm a wizard and you're a bard and we have the exact same subclass, like you don't get that unique feel. Um, but I, I don't know. I thought it would be kind of interesting though because of like bards get things, you know, bards can have like high decks and swords or you have charisma casting as opposed to intelligence casting and having the same subclass but a different way to approach it. 
I thought it was cool too, but I will admit I didn't play the game. I didn't play it, but I, I thought it was really interesting that a wizards was listening. I guess they're doing this, you know, and they're just like, okay, mm-hmm. people don't like this, you know? And, and honestly, we still have the, uh, unearthed arcana. So you could still run that if you're interested. Yes. In it, so, yep. Yep. And I but, think it might be something interesting. Yeah. And I was trying to find where I heard that it was feats, but I can't find the article. So I'm a little, yeah. it was, uh, I only saw it on Twitter and they, and WebDM had mentioned it, but then that made me think too, cause they said, don't worry. We have a, we have another plan. We pulled those out. We're going to do it this other way. And I'm thinking, yeah, but you didn't, you, you didn't test any of that UA article wise. You, maybe you did internal testing for that, but you're just going to go to something you didn't test at all at that point. So yeah, that doesn't seem true. to be like a we'll, good. Yeah. I wonder solution. if we'll get another, another, uh, another unearthed arcana to like figure yeah. it out, you know, but yeah. I did find the article here on screen rant. It says that, uh, the subclasses weren't popular with the fans. Jeremy Crawford revealed during a wizards of the coast press event press event that the subclasses have been cut from Strixhaven. The reason for this is due to negative fan feedback. Fans disliked how subclasses didn't speak to the distinctiveness of the base class. DMs also didn't like how the subclasses were defined to adapt to homebrew settings, such as they were so baked into the lore of Strixhaven. So that's actually something interesting to talk about. Is it wrong to release a book like Theros or Strixhaven or something where you're like, really this this class subclass. only kind of works for that you know yeah and i don't i know fans don't like that because uh a lot of kind of power gamers and meta gamers and stuff they want to have like all of the options mm-hmm. but i i think it's completely reasonable for your for your uh at the table for you to say um you know what there are no kobolds in my world you can't be a kobold or right. there, you're, or we're not no using artificers or, exactly no artificers kind of a thing and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, however, though, I know that the Forgotten Realms has been billed as a place for all things. So mm-hmm. I wonder if that was another problem, too, because these would eventually come into the realms at some in some way. Who knows? Yeah. So. And I feel like the comments of um, trying to think it through the idea that your class isn't um, unique enough if you do that when compared to the other classes but we've already seen a big push to give you the idea of a fighter, but they still can be an intelligence-based caster or a wizard that can actually be a frontline fighter. Or, you know, mm-hmm. they're already giving us subclasses that let them bleed into a monk who it can heal. Uh, right. You know, like all these different, a warlock who's a divine, you know, warlock. So that one, now that one can be your healer. So we already see that happening. I wonder if it's part of the pushback is from that or it's interesting that everybody wants to stick very class based. And I feel like we're in a, in a generation where we'd want to break out of railroads, you know, or like guidelines that say you, you are only this, you're a fighter. So you're only this and you're defined by that. I'm surprised we haven't quite, you know, the other games that tackled this, because it kind of happened, I felt like, in the 80s, class was big, and then a bunch of new role-playing games come out and said, no, I want to throw out class. class I want to go classless systems. I want them to pick abilities. I want mm-hmm. them to pick feats. I want them to pick stunts, whatever the name of it was. And then you build your character based on what they could do, not yeah. based on a class yeah. you picked. And I wonder when, if, when or if D&D will make that jump. Are they stubbornly going to hold on to the class-based system? I I don't know. I think I don't know. I think classes in general are tied to D&D very strongly. Like right. You are defined in the worlds of Dungeons and Dragons by being a wizard, you know. That is very different by than being a monk. So, I I don't think that that they will, but um I don't know. And so I wonder like feats have always been optional and if they go mm-hmm. this feat route Maybe they'll say, hey, for Strixhaven, you get a feat every two levels or something, but uh, automatically. But for not Strixhaven, you don't. Um, and again, this kind of goes back to power creep. And mm-hmm. if they introduce mechanics like this where you're taking a whole bunch of new feats, well, what does that do for the game? Because now I've allowed it in Strixhaven, which means that other people are like, well, why aren't you allowing it in your, your game, you know? 
Right. And a lot of people already feel that 5e is, uh, as dungeon masters, it's hard to kill your players. It's hard to make them feel scared. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, especially now, like, it, it's, uh, it's very different from when it was released in 2014. So the game has changed a lot. All right, first pack, first card. Let's see what you get. I got an artifact. My character will now be able to use a great axe. How exciting. So artifact, it's going to be equipped. Creature gets plus four, plus zero. Ooh, pretty cool art on it. Put that down there. But the very next cool one is even better because it's called Eyes of the Beholder. Target creature gets minus 11, minus 11 until yeah. end of turn. I thought that was a fun card, Ooh. and it's uh, it has really cool art, but it's also... Yeah. Uh, that that has a good Beholder feel disintegration rate to me, you know? Yeah, and the so. art on it's really good. What's the te- Let's see what the flavor text says on these. Sometimes that's really good, too. In the end, there was nothing beautiful to be seen, and it shows a guy just being getting disintegrated. Yeah. Beholders, beautiful. By just <laughs> all of the eye beams all at once. It's an instance, two black magic, and four any of other colors. So a a black magic card. Very interesting. That was one of the things I thought was going to be interesting is how they decided which things went with what. I mean, the elemental stuff. If you say, well, fireball goes with fire, I mean, that kind of makes sense. But there's a lot of things in D&D you might not have thought about. If there's a color wheel, how does this fit? You had uh, posted a in Discord a video um, done by another YouTuber and influencer who was talking about using the color wheel as an alignment um, yeah. device as and, a dungeon master. Uh, I, I would highly recommend you to watch that. And it's a really actually, good video. I'm yeah. going to talk about it with... Uh, uh, so another thing is... Uh, so uh, Etherhub... Uh, he's another YouTuber, uh, goes by the name Simon, and he's been doing Magic Gathering lore. And uh, we're going to do another collaboration video today, which is going to be a little fun that we'll put out later. Isn't that, I love the old art. Some people were really upset that they did that because um, it was like a cash-in for nostalgia, but I thought it was fun. I don't know. But yeah. I, I, I'm not collecting these to like play and have somebody think, that's so cool. I just think it's, it, it's totally a nostalgia factor why I'm buying it. Um, but using the magic wheel as alignment is really interesting because we have the you have nine if you have good and evil, lawful and chaos and neutral. There are nine different alignments. And mm-hmm. it's you can be, you know, we've done the whole tropes before where it's like lawful good is Superman and chaotic good is Robin Hood and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the magic wheel was like uh, what not not emotions but like almost a drive so like if you are if you're re- red that's like a fiery passion for things and if you're black you have like you take care of yourself other more than you take care of other people and so when you start combining those colors you create a really interesting character and that yeah. character is not good or evil like we don't have to have good or evil you have to play around with that I don't know. I, I like it more. I think the alignment uh, needs a um, it needs a, a boost, a change in a way. So, we'll, well, see. and we don't really use it like it was put into the game before. Exactly. Um, you know, and where the way it was I like, like he, good versus evil, and now it's kind of like, well, I want to do yeah. an evil campaign, or I want to do this, and so yeah. And I like the idea that he mentioned because there are players out there that I think are relevant to. They don't quite know the direction their character might take. They've thought about their backstory. They've thought about their personality a little bit, but as the game goes on, you start to develop the true character of that, you know, that how it's different from you in some ways, how it makes different choices than you as a person would make, or how it makes different choices than the other character you might play in your Monday night campaign. You know, how are they different and having something there to help kind of guide you when you get to a point where you're at a new decision tree, you're like, Oh, how would, this character react to the situation that they're in for the first time. So they're having to really figure out what their moral compass is and where it points and how it works within the game. So I know there's a lot of people that like to dive in. And I that. think a lot of players too uh, draw on themselves. Sure. Um, and so like I naturally seem to, to fall into these like boastful uh loud showman kind of characters because I realized that that's kind of what I like to play and things like that. And so it's, it's interesting. Uh, and so you, 
I have to make active choices to be like passive and like let other people talk because I get into D and D as a character and I'm like, well, I want to do this. And so I don't know. It's uh, yeah. it's just interesting to me. I like this little mechanic here. It's a D20 mechanic that you get in uh, Magic the Gathering. It's not one that's there often. But when you throw out the goblin creatures, red for goblins, I could see that. Um, swarming goblins, roll a D20. 1 to 9, create a 1-1 one, one goblin. 10 to 19, create two of those tokens. You roll a 20, you crit a 20, you get three of those all for that yeah. same cast. So that's pretty cool. A little bit of randomness. I don't know if Magic the Gathering players would like that because they. Yeah, I don't know want, if they would. <laughs> yeah, I think they want their card to like. If I play this, I don't want it to be a gamble. I want to know that I'll win yeah. in four moves with it. And when you play that, and it's up to a dice roll, it is it's totally a gamble. So yeah, here's a Mordekainen's polymorph. That's cool. We like Mordekainen. We got. Uh, he's got his own book. Uh, yeah, like he's a that. planeswalker. You got him, huh? I think yeah. he's pretty rare. Um, find a cursed idol. I like this green card. Choose one. Smash it. Of course, what do you do with the cursed idol? Lift the curse, destroy it, or steal its eyes. And it has the infamous picture of some of the D and D art there. Yeah, that's, uh, I've always loved too. It's got some really good. It's always funny that when you're trying to show something on a camera, you guess the wrong way to go right or left. Yep, that's, that's <laughs> what it is. Um, Very cool. Yeah, another before we're going to talk a little bit more about D&D news and then we'll get into some Kickstarters and stuff and we'll keep kind of opening cards as we go. Um, but I don't know if you heard about this, but uh, Jeremy Crawford said in some interview and I need to find yeah. the actual I feel like I'm letting you guys down today. I'm sorry, but I, I didn't have time <laughs> to go research a lot of this. Um, but he said in an interview that uh, Forgotten Realms canon, like the history of the Forgotten Realms, uh, only the 5th edition is canon. So anything that happened in 4th and 3rd and all this other stuff is kind of like, it. it's up for up in flux, I guess? Or like, we can build on that history, but we don't need to say like, well, this was cement and stone. Uh, whereas like, you know, things like Tomb of Annihilation, that is that is cemented in stone. So there isn't a Sarerac. There is a, uh, you know, there was a thing in Chult and this happened and the, the ordning with the giants and Storm King's Thunder, like all that stuff happened. Uh, but we don't necessarily, you know, the spell plague and all this other stuff that happened. And I was like that, it was funny. Cause I, I was thinking about that and I'm like, that kind of puts me out of a job in a way. <laughs> like why are people researching <laughs> all of this forgotten realms lore? If it doesn't mean anything anymore. Uh, and you have all of these novels and stuff, uh, but it gives them the ability to go forward and just kind of have a clean reset. Uh, and I also think he said that in a way for new dungeon masters to not feel like they do have to go back and read thousands of books in order to play in the realms. Like you just need to play in, in the forgotten realms. Uh, mm -hmm. but I don't know. What do you, what did you think? Oh, is that a Brunor? I got a Brunor. Oh, that's a nice one. Oh my God. I got some good ones in this one. Hold on. <laughs> Got some good ones. Yeah, and I feel like there was a follow-up to that because the other thing they kind of immediately came back and said, canon is one thing, but the game at your table that the DM runs is the law, right? It's yeah. your yeah. history that you build and your adventures is the law of the land. And yes, there's canon out there, but that's, you know, that kind of can be overridden by the canon you create in your adventures in the campaigns you run your way, your story when you ran uh tomb of annihilation is different than when Danimal ran tomb of yeah. annihilation for us, but that's canon for us, you know? And I think they kind of went back to that because I could tell when you get into that canon talk, you start to get into, it almost starts to lead to the gatekeeper pe people or the people who get accused of being gatekeepers because you got the one group that says this is how it has to be and yeah. it can't be any other way. And then there's the other group that says, no, it can be every way. And then some of us all fall in the middle somewhere where we want a little structure. Like you're saying, I want a cool channel on YouTube where I can go look up Forgotten Realms lore. I want some lore that I can rely on. Yeah. But yes, I'm going to go and I'm going to change some things. I'm going to do something different in Myth Draenor. Or I'm going to do something different with, like you said, the Kobolds in my world are going to be a little bit different than the Forgotten Kobolds, Forgotten Realms canon Kobolds. So yeah. I always think it's a sticky 
conversation, you know? No, it, and it is. It's kind of interesting. I, I'm, I'm thinking back to Indoor Adventures ran Curse of Strahd, and they mm -hmm. changed Strahd to be... Uh, sorry, he was a player in it, but it was on his channel. That's what I mean. I think uh, Danae ran it, but uh, they made Strahd a woman, and mm -hmm. I thought that was so fun. Like, they just they changed her... Uh, uh, yeah, they changed her from a man to a woman, and they ran the exact same game, but it had a lot of different... Uh, feelings and a lot of different, uh, you know, like just when you make a change like that, you don't realize the impact you're actually making on the whole story. Uh, or I think they did it realize, but it was, it was fun to watch. It was really interesting. Hey, there's your kitty. You yes, love those. <laughs> displacer beast. But check this one out. The uh -oh. no bordered card. Holy oh, cow. That was like nah, a pack and a half. Yeah. Like, super got a bunch of awesome stuff. And then stuff. just to put the artwork in there, I got one called Temple of the Dragon Queen. has a picture of T-Mat in there. Yeah. It's a land, but it's a cool land. Yeah, I want it's a that land that does deck. extra stuff, I think. So that's Heck cool. Yeah, that was a good pack. Second pack. Solid, solid packs. Um, solid. I got a, I got a, uh, I think the coolest one I got so far that when I was opening these yesterday <laughs> was uh, Asmodeus, which was fun. Oh, I got Asmodeus, which was kind of cool. And he, his is uh, you you sacrifice life to draw more cards, which is kind of interesting. It's like the pack wow. you made. It's very cool. So, but no, uh, I agree with you. It's interesting that, uh, sorry, but making changes, making the game your own, 100%. But you're right. I, I also, as a dungeon master, want to know that if I go to Waterdeep, I want to be able to know, well, what's the history of Waterdeep? Because yeah. it is useful as a dungeon master for me to understand where Waterdeep came from, the big mm -hmm. happenings that have gone through Waterdeep, why the current, like, mask lords are the current mask lords, like that whole system. Mm -hmm. And to take that away and say, like, well, all that doesn't matter. It's like, well, it, it does, though. Like, because I, I mm -hmm. like, I need that foundation as a dungeon master. Yeah. So give me that. Tell me that it's canon. But... And maybe that's what they're doing. Like, give me that. Tell me that it's canon. But then I can turn around and say, actually, all of the mask lords are a single cloned lord. Or you know, like that's fine. Do it. Do it however you want. Yeah, yeah. I think you just hit it. You hit the nail on the head right there. It's the idea of we as dungeon masters have a certain amount of time to create and get ready for our game, mm -hmm. and we're gonna pick and choose the things that we want to create. But we also want to lean back on. Yeah. Waterdeep's created. I don't need to come up with the history of Waterdeep on my own. I don't need to. I can rely on they already have Waterdeep. They have a bunch of cool taverns. They have a bunch of cool things I can do. They have cool people I can interact. I don't have to invent any of that. I can use it. I can borrow it and, be, mm. and it's quick. I can add it to my game. But now the thing I do want to add, I know there's a cemetery right there in the middle of town, but I want to create inside this. I want to do something a little different than what they have placed here. So I think that's what Canon gives us as dungeon masters in any game is the pieces that we don't have to create that do the heavy lifting of our campaign for us. They're set. They're good to go. I've got 85% of a structure here. And now my creativity can focus on just those pieces that where I want to open up and create it and change some things. And that's where I'm going to do my changes. That's where I'm going to do my um, creation. I, I'm not going to try to do everything from scratch. I'm not going to build every city. I'm not going to build every NPC. I'm not going to build every creature in the world. A monster manual is canon, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to build a displacer beast and then completely do it differently than their displacer beast. I'm not going to build rebuild every creature. So why would I rebuild every, you know, event in history or story like or event? Exactly. Or legend or whatever. I'm going to use most of it and I'm going to pick and choose. And I'm going to tweak things so they fit what I want to do. I think so I think it's an interesting conversation they're having. And I think it's a couple of different groups that are coming at it, you know, from different directions and, Maybe they should just get together and meet in the middle somewhere. You know? Well, and yeah, it's interesting. Like Eberron doesn't have this problem, I feel, because you're always playing two years after the war ended. Yeah. Um, and Eberron's timeline is always like the game happens here. And that was very much on purpose, as opposed to the Forgotten Realms, where they really wanted to make it a living world that was going forward, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I there's a lot to so it. So much uh, connection. I am sorry. So yeah, I'm, I've seen you move around a little bit. <laughs> I'm dead on on this side. But the other thing about Eberron is it's a very centralized creator that has had some people help Keith Baker, but it's a very 
central Keith Baker product. Whereas Forgotten Realms has been 30 years, 40 years, 50 years of author after author after author getting their hands on it and doing something different or doing something they want to do with it. So it's a big salad of people adding to that, whereas Eberron doesn't have that large of a group adding to it. So it does feel focused. Teldori feels focused. Matt creates it. There's some other writers that have helped, but it's centralized. It's, it is, you know, yeah. That's yeah. You don't have like dozens of authors writing their own spin on various things. And, and you know, you can do that with uh, kind of linking this back to like the MCU, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know, you have lots mm-hmm. of directors, you have lots of this, but you have Kevin Feige at the very top. And he's leading the way and manipulating the stories here and there, so they're all cohesive and working together, so. Hand um, of Vecna. Oh, that's the one I want. Hand of Vecna. You got all of your cards. I got super excited because I saw Demogorgon, but then it's Demogorgon's clutches. It wasn't the Demogorgon card. Magic Missile, red card. Interesting. Would you put Magic Missile in the red color? I I would not. Um, I feel like Magic Missile is blue, but I think that's just because of the... I mean, it is a very offensive spell, so maybe that's why. I don't know. This is so. an interesting one. This is a token creature. says devil on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a bad devil. But the back has a bunch of yeah, so AFR I, draft archetypes. Yeah, I got a Gwenevar that was like that. So those are token cards that there's there's another card that lets you summon a devil, and you would use that in its place. Because um, the Drist card says it summons Gwenevar when you play it. Uh, but I don't have the Drist card, but I did get the Gwenevar card. <laughs> and so. a Vecna. Only need three colorless mana to throw that out. I also got the bullet. Oh, boulet. yeah. I say Some people, uh, <laughs> yeah, boulet. Or I did get a beholder. I got an actual baleful. Those are that? I got that one. Beholder. That's nice. That's a good one. I like it. Not too much in that pack. I didn't get any of the special ones, though. Uh, Hand of Vecna was good in that one, though. So, yeah. So, lots of discussion, I think, on and we'll see the Twitter community. So. And I think it's driven by the three books that have been announced. Because we're all trying to figure out where these things fit. And it, and what prompted some of these discussions is the idea of this crossover is, well, where does Forgotten Realms and Magic the Gathering planes fit together? Where is this? Is this canon? Is this lore? You know, what is um, what counts as lore? And I think they're going to get that question more and more. Do you feel like we're getting closer? We've got a bunch of campaign books this year. We got just a couple of new rule books, you know, ones that are based on new options to play in the game, but a lot mo- mostly, I would say, campaign books. Do you think that's the what we're getting for the rest of the next couple of years? Uh, a majority, maybe a 40-60 split or a 30-70 split of campaign setting books, options books. Yeah, I I wonder if uh well, okay, so Strixhaven is a campaign setting options book, but in actuality, I'm pretty sure Strixhaven is going to be um, an adventure because I've heard that over two-thirds of that book is adventure. And I wonder if they're going to do more hybrid stuff like that because if you make a source book, there are certain DMs that will buy that. Like, certain DMs will buy a... Uh, Van Richten's Guide over a Tomb of Annihilation. Um, mm-hmm. And Tomb of Annihilation, really fun, but not a lot of people play those, but uh, Van Richten's was really good because of all of the uh, modular parts. And I think Wizards of the Coast is going to go more modular, but I could be... We'll see. Um, so, I don't know. I got the Book of Exalted Deeds, which I believe is now banned because it was oh. that it was that good. It was that exalted. <laughs> He's that exalted. I got an Arboreal Pegasus. So that's kind of a fun card to have. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I I wish I could understand a lot of decisions that uh, Wizards of the Ghost has made, but I, I don't think I ever will. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, Here's a cool one from... This will lead into our discussion a little bit later. 
when we talk about Dungeon of the Mad Mage, we have just fought this last Tuesday Zorn. Zorns we had some Zorn awesome. shown up and I uh, had to deal with that. Oh, look at this, though. You're going to love it. We have a um, you've had a character like this before. You've had a um, Eberron introduced race of Warforged, right? Yep. And uh, we have one in our group on Dungeon of the Mad Mage. What is the Warforge's biggest nightmare? What is the Warforge most uh, afraid of? I would say a rust monster, I think is where you're Would you say that. a rust monster with a... <laughs> is that a foil one? A foil oh, one. Wow. So extra Very cool. cool art foiled rust monster. You're not going to have a Green. park here. Man, these are good. I'm loving it. I did get That's Power cool Word story. Kill. Um, oh, that's a good it's one. It's uncommon, but the art is really cool. Spider token. I do. I'm starting to notice. I wasn't reading before. I was going. I was flipping right by them. But there are characters in here, like uh, Circle of the Moon Druid. So it's a creature, human elf druid. They get bear form. Mm -hmm. So you do have like adventurers. As I'm going to throw an adventurer at you, wizard, to come take you down. So it's almost like if you were imagining, if we were going to do a campaign, this is one of the things I was thinking about doing, was where there's a campaign that me and Jordan create and it's based off of almost like tarot cards where you mix them all up and then you draw out yeah. two or three cards and you say, all right, my, I'm a arch wizard who has this much territory and you're an arch wizard who has a bunch of territory and we're fighting over some middle ground. I want it. You want it. And I'd be like, all right, well, uh, we're going to do an adventure and I'm going to send, uh, adventurer circle of the moon druid after you i've got a soul knife spy i can send after you i've got a hired hex blade i'm going to make sure that's with them and a unt fang blade a snake snake person rogue right and so that's my my adventuring group that's going to go and try to deal with your people or whatever i just think yeah that's like a cool idea of an adventuring group well, have that you, could go do have you something. made an adventure with uh, Magic the Gathering cards I've before? I wanted to. I've yeah. not. I played like, around with it. I hear you. I've, I've, I've heard of this, and I saw there's yeah. a good YouTube video by Matt Click that he did it back in the, like, I want to say like two or three years ago he did it. Yeah. Um, where he's just like, let's get inspired and make a whole thing. And he opened a random booster and just mm -hmm. like, okay, a land. All right, you guys are going to be, and you don't, you know, you read the flavor text or whatever, but it's usually like you're going to be in a swampy place. You're going to be in a mountain. You're going to be here. And then like, here are the monsters you kind of find. And uh, it's really interesting. Yeah, Faraday, that's a character in uh, Idle Champions. You can play that character in a famous character. Does it say who gets to play who played it? That would be the cool thing, too, because these in um, they either come from books or they come from live plays or things like that. Legendary Tiefling mm -hmm. Warlock. Faraday. Pretty cool. Yeah, I think it'd be cool. I, I was thinking that too, like you could do, you could have a couple of stacks and you could say, okay, Jordan, I'm going to build a campaign for you in your group. Yeah. And I take the land stack first and I'm like, okay, give me a number or roll a D20 and then I flip through and then that's the one I kick over and it's like, oh, looks like we're going <laughs> to the swamps. You're going to be adventuring in the swamps. There's a there bale for, bale, yeah, baleful beholder for you. That's the good one. I'm gonna throw my rust monster back up there. That's good. Yeah, I could I could see some really fun um, ways to use these almost as a tarot card or an adventure building guide. And mm -hmm. you don't have to use them. You could just you know use your use your imagination and just say, here's some cool things that I'm gonna throw into my campaign based off of just some randomness. You know, just some some card shuffling and find out what you get. I know a lot of people used to do this back in the day too. They would do big um, roll, rollable tables, so they create all kinds of tables. Like when you're doing hex crawls, you know you're, you're yeah. not deciding what's in every hex. You're just like, I'm going to build a big table. I'll roll some dice, some percentage because random dice. things happen. You know that was yeah. a, that was huge. Wandering monsters in dungeons. Yeah. You know, yeah, Hot Springs Island. Yeah. You know? so, um, yeah, cool. Hot Springs Island had lots of random tables to generate this like this the monsters you ran into and stuff. Totally lost. Find stores where you are, but it has a uh, Elwick Tumblestrum on oh, yeah. the other. In fact, I saw her tweet, which was really fun. The actress that plays Elwick Tumblestrum, she went to go to Magic on or to her store on Thursday, and she was going to pick up the deck of cards. And they were like, "Nope, sorry, can't sell them to you till Friday." And she's like, in her tweet as she's walking out, she's like. Do you think if I'd have told them I'm Elwick Tumblestrum, they would have sold them to me? <laughs> I was like, I thought that was pretty funny. 
So I um, Kickstarter news, there is a tiny library Kickstarter that looks really cool. Um, and is this from the tiny books, all the yeah, tiny well, RPG tiny stuff? tiny library swaps your regular pack of playing cards for 50 micro RPGs. This is going to be in August 31st, so we have uh, a, a solid month or so, a month and a half, yeah. to wait. Uh, but it looks really interesting. They're, they're just going to... A bunch of different creators are getting together, and I'll put a link in the chat here where they're going to create uh, all these different micro RPGs and put them together. I I think this is fun for like a camping trip with your friends or something and you want to play like a quick game. I was also I we'll have to wait and see, but I'm curious if you can use it to uh what's the word like um integrate in like we were just talking about hex crawls in the desert or something like if you're if you're playing your regular game of D, and then you could use this side rpg to get through a little like desert area or something like i wonder if you could modularly put it into D, but uh we like rpgs obviously so we're interested in that um and then homeworld is creating oh, here or we go. modifius is creating a homeworld uh Game. This isn't game. a Kickstarter, I don't think. But uh, I'm a huge fan of the PC games Homeworld 1 and 2. Um, mm-hmm. Really creative everything. Like, the, the world is dying, and you get on this ship, and you go out. Um, super, super interesting. And you have to collect resources and stuff. Uh, I've never thought of it as an RPG, because it was always kind of a tactical game for me. But to yeah. actually do the space travel, this might be the game that gets me interested in, like, a space travel RPG. So. Yeah, because you know enough about it that yeah. you, you don't have to learn a ton. You understand what's going on. It covers uh, Homeworld 1 and 2, also Homeworld Cataclysm that they'd come out. And they did another one that was on a planet, Deserts of Karak, where they're trying to get off the planet again, mm. back up into the sky. That's a really fun one, too. If you haven't played that one yet, you might grab that off of Steam or something. Um, beautiful artwork, usually a great soundtrack, a really fun, innovative real-time strategy game you're building yeah. things you're moving fleets you have formations they fly and they fight it's like i've it's always really wanted a starcraft cool. rpg as well yeah that, that, but then when yeah. we think of rpgs we think of characters yeah. and we're going to do adventures so how does that even fit when we're talking about and they said you're not grounded simple ship combat rules so we'll be able to take command of fighters corvettes frigates and capital ships but plus so you'll get to play characters within the world and i thought man the artwork reminds me of um, Tales from the Loop, and mm-hmm. it's so good and so evocative and so sci-fi. It's like everything I want in a futuristic game, and I'm definitely going to pre-order it. I saw the they have a pre-order for a special edition $99 GM bundle, which has the screen and the, and the game and the special edition book, and I'm like, okay – you got my money again, Modifius. Every time you come out with something really, really good, they get all the good tie-in franchises out there. I mean, they've got they Alien, all kinds right? of good stuff. Or was that Free League? Yeah. Or is Free yeah. League Modifius? I always get confused. They've worked together. Free yeah. League did Alien. Modifius has done Star Trek Adventures. Yeah, Modifius right. has done Conan. Modifius has done John Carter of Mars. Modifius has done uh, Fallout. They've done um, a ton of games. I mean, it's just endless. If you go to their website, there's a ton of them on there. That is a cool one, sir. Evolve, that's one of the ones I want. Yeah, one of the I ones want, that's a I want all cover. of those lands, and I, yeah. I don't know. But that's a, yeah, Evolving Winds, and they look like the old modules. That's a fun yeah. land. I do have the most famous magic item of all time. The old oh, bag of holding. I, I literally just got that as well. <laughs> <laughs> the bag of holding. I have a foil one here. It's called armory veteran though i don't i don't know if it's because it's an artwork that it's foiled pretty simple orc warrior nothing crazy to it but it's a foil one for some reason pretty cool i got varus silver moon ranger a human elf ranger legendary creature whenever you cast a creature or planeswalker spell venture into the dungeon this ability triggers only once each turn whenever you complete a dungeon create a 2-2 green uh, wolf creature, which I got the wolf creature right here. Oh, yeah, the token. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Oh, what's going on here? And that was my last pack. So Was there another one coming, a Secret Lair series? Oh, so there? Secret Lair, I was looking into that. They do, uh, Spider. they do, like, collectible cards. So the old 
Dungeons and Dragons television show, they used those cartoons on their cards for Secret Lair. So it's it's like a more expensive collector's something. I don't know. Very cool. Yeah. I'm on my second to last. Oh, here we go. We got something different. How about a Jin Windseer? That's fun. Pretty cool. Gretchen Titchwillow, legendary creature, halfling druid. Blink dog. I always like a blink dog. That's a good one. Yeah. In. Skeleton swarming. Cool island. This this reminds me of uh, Monty Cook more than it does. DVD. Doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Oh, and some of these have, what's the little dot at the bottom on some of these? There's a little. I think those are rares. You'll oh, see okay. an so R next to it, so sure. I, I think that that's how you know it's a rare. But skeletal swarming, very cool. We're gonna um, have to place the magic probably on arena, I guess. But that would make yeah. more sense than trying to do webcams and actually play with these cards. But uh, <laughs> you you do if you use play D and D code, I think you get three free Magic the Gather or Forgotten Realms packs in arena. So yeah, and I think if you get some cards like this, they give you some codes too. Possibly. Or if you, you buy the set. Did you get a code card in the set? I, I did not. Right. Yeah, I've got one that said, well, I won't show it on camera, I guess, but. Because <laughs> <laughs> one of you will steal my code. Uh, count life inner tournaments. Like some of these advertising, there's treasure. Very interesting. So I'm definitely on board with um, Homeworld Kickstarter. Another one that's happening in August, I didn't put it on the show notes, is Avatar Airbender. Yep. That's coming. I actually um, got the... Um, I signed up for an email newsletter, and they sent me a drive-through link for the quick start rules. And yeah. I went through them. I'm not, the, I'm not like an amazing Avatar fan, but uh, it, it looked fun. So, I don't know. This is my Commander deck. Commander cool. uh, Core. I bought, came with these two cards. I got a drider. That's for your drought. I do Ooh, like. There we go. I do like driders. That's like a named boulder. Yeah, it's it's the commander deck. So those those come with this deck. It's the planner something deck. I got. I forget. Oh, um, classic. Yeah, it seems really fun. I throw hunter's mark on you. Ooh. <laughs> so uh, what's going on in uh, yes. Dungeon of the Mad Mage? Uh oh, yes. what'd you get? Xanathar. Oh, that's what you wanted. Xanathar. We've <laughs> we fought Xanathar, at least one of his one of his uh, clones. I'll put it on there. Um, Xanathar Guild Kingpin. That leads so perfectly into our game. Yeah, we played on Tuesday and we finished up. Um, we're on our downtime, so when we start up this week, we get to go back down to level eight, where we hadn't gone to. And um, it's interesting to see what everybody's going to be doing with their 20 days of downtime in our game. Our, our downtime in our game is pretty powerful because we get to search for magic items or try to build things or research spe new spells or mm -hmm. those kinds of things. So our uh, Danimals always let us do some really fun things on our downtimes. I'm going to try to acquire a combat pet for mine. Oh, we got the Vorpal Sword <laughs> and its foil. So nice. So that was all of my um, items. I'm excited because I'm playing that Arcane Archer, Aarakocra, my favorite character so far. My highest level character. No, not yet. Getting close to being my highest level character that I've played. That I've ever played, yeah. Through a campaign, right? Right. Um, I've done a, few, a very few one-offs here or there. I think I've done a 12th level adventure one night, one session. I don't think I've done anything other than that. So I'm excited to get into some of the mid to higher level gameplay and to see what Mad Mage seems to want to throw at us at that. Oh, we did fight in uh, several Umber Hulks, which gave our party trouble. Um, when's the last time you fought an Umber Hulk? Osborne? Boy, this is awesome. I, yeah, I haven't touched Umber Hulks in a long, long time. What's cool about them is They're we fun. have a pretty hard hitting party. When you look at them, you have to roll against charisma or you might not do anything in your turn. Yeah. Can you imagine your 10th level character with all the things they can do action economy wise getting shut down because you dropped a charisma? 
Well, that's what happened to us. We <laughs> must have failed our charisma checks at least seven or eight times throughout the whole battle. It was crazy. So if you want to throw a cool couple of creatures at your um, party who's giving you trouble with all the action economy they got going on, throw a couple of Umberhulks at them and see how they handle it. It was interesting. It's funny. We're with the game I'm playing on Thursdays. My uh, my monk of the elements, my sea elf monk. Um, for some reason, well, we're not for some reason, but we're fighting a lot of uh, aberrations and uh, illithids and things like that. And we nice. found basically like their hive. But we're slowly learning that nobody has intelligence. Like everybody's, we do not have any intelligence uh, or high intelligence characters. Everyone in the party does not have proficiency in intelligence saving throws. And those Illithids mess us up because uh, you get hit by it and you're stunned. And then it's like, okay, well, you need to roll an 18 or higher. But when you don't have a bonus to your intelligence, you're literally rolling at the end of your t every turn to see if you can get above an 18. And it's such a small chance. So... I did get the Brunar special oh, that's art nice. character. So we've got both now. You made out better than I did, I think. You got some well, this ones. is the first pack of the booster, the 10-card booster. All Everything before that, that Brunar one was, came with the... What they call the set again? They called it the. Um, oh, the pre-release that you bought. Yeah, the yeah the, the this box. Oh, okay. So everything up until just that last one was this box that you find at your store. Um, it's basically like the the bundle. Yeah. Dungeons and Dragons bundle. But your my yours might be different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you'll get. I'm sure yours would be different. Both of ours was right. Yeah, that's very cool. So I still have nine more booster packs to go, and I'll fill this little card up. What about Jordan's um, games? That's about all I have. We're still just playing one game at this point. I have not joined another game or ran my own in a while, only because work is still... I keep saying work's going to finally slow down, work's going to finally slow down, and it just keeps not slowing down. And it down. won't, will it? No. <laughs> it won't. I'm wondering if I won't, I'll have to get through summer into winter before things kind of slow down. Because I'm trying to get outside a lot, too, because, I don't know, I have this fear that we might get locked down again. So I'm trying to do stuff outside when I can. I'm trying to get things done. Yeah, I hear you. Um, Game-wise, we, yeah, we played on on Thursday, and it was a lot of fun. We had um, some, uh, uh, we're, we're, we're looking for a magic sword that will hopefully teleport the people that I'm with back to their home plane uh, but I'm the player that is from the plane they're currently on, so then I have to make a decision if I'm going to go back or not uh, with them. But we've run into, like, an illithid hive mind thing. Like, the entire... I don't know if we're on another plane or if we're just in, like, a weird uh, demi plane or if we're in a part of the prime material plane, but, like, there are illithids everywhere. We're in, like, a hive cluster. <laughs> And we're now just like, well, do we rest? What do we do? And so I don't. We and we're hurt real bad. We tried to fight something, and then uh, the DM was basically he. The DM said he never had us roll initiative, because he's like, if you do want to attack it, I'm gonna give you the opportunity, but like I don't want to say let's roll initiative because that makes it sound like you can defeat this thing. And so, uh, and he told us all this afterwards. We we made our decisions while we were playing, but ultimately we ran because I'm like, I don't think we can kill this thing. And so mm -hmm. it was it was fun. Uh, then tomorrow I'm playing Gloomhaven, which is exciting. Oh, very cool. Um, and then next Saturday I think I'm going to try and start a game. Um, I have been reading Dolmenwood, which is a OSR game uh, or, or an OSR setting for old school essentials. That I might mm -hmm. be running, uh, and I was gonna see if I could incorporate that or something else. But we have some people uh, that are interested in Dungeon Crawl Classics, so I was thinking I might run a four to six week Dungeon Crawl Classics game of uh, maybe uh, Peril of the Purple Planet or something. I'm not sure yet. Ooh, very cool. So we got a Oswald Fiddlebender, legendary creature, gnome artificer. So we even got an artificer right in the in the. First set here, but check this out. This one your wife would like, I think. Loyal Warhound. <laughs> so, you know, you have the dog that you can ride around and have the halfling 
on top. But here you go. Here's the one you really want. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Temple man. of the Dragon Queen. That is the one that I really want. That's a good one. <laughs> I love that. Um, I love that. that so that cool. Fun land like that. I think those are so cool. I love the look of that. It just makes it look so good. I'm loving that in every one of these packs, too, you're getting a token creature. So you're going to have plenty of uh, tokens and emblems. It's useful, yeah. Zeriel, the Archduke of Avanus. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, that's a token, though, yeah. Token, I know yeah. she's a, she's an actual card, so. Very cool. Eye of the Beholder we already had. Warner Canaan's. Starting to finally see most of the same. Clattering skeletons with special art. Very cool. <laughs> Bugbear. Black Dragon. Pretty basic card, but man, Black Dragon should that's a that's what I want on my deck. It's good. It's good. Triumphant Adventure, the human knight. <laughs> and he's got all the all the loot on his uh yeah. carrying it all home. Very Super cool. Fun. Uh, Lucian, we've been working on our cliff campaign a little bit. We have. Uh, how do you how are you feeling really, about it? <laughs> really naming. We we get stuck on the uh, the hard stuff. The name, right? Because we want to we want the name to evoke something when you when you see it. Just like the artwork that we've been thinking about, we want to evoke. Plus, we're just thinking about how it all works. But mm. names are sometimes tough. We've been come up with. I mean, sometimes they come right out, and you've got the perfect one, and it just you know that. Um, spark of inspiration and then other times you're trying to make something fit and it's not quite what you want but it's close you did a nice little uh piece of art think you know kind of thinking it through and mm. it started to look cool you did the one i think you, you were it was called naraska yeah was the i was like because naraka means abyss or cliff yeah. in indonesian and i was like that's cool but i wanted it i just like i like twisting it so i put an s in there and I was so excited, and I'm like, Lucian, what if we call it Nebraska, the ed end of the world? Yeah. And then I said that to you, and I'm like, ah, it looks too close to Nebraska. And, and I read when he were, said it. Yeah. You were like, <laughs> yeah. why would we name it Nebraska? And I'm like, And why do you I'm hate Nebraska yeah. that you call it the end of the world? Like, nope. what happened to you when you went there? <laughs> so, I don't know. But uh, we've been thinking a lot about vertical hex crawls and yes. how the, a lot of hex crawl mechanics are getting lost. And so mm -hmm. it's like, okay, we went this way, but we don't really know where we are. And you went left when you should have gone right. But then I think about um, a vertical hex crawl, you would know up from down just from gravity. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I don't know. We need to come up with some other interesting mechanics besides getting lost. Uh, that, because like, yeah, and uh, it just doesn't work with gravity. So I don't know. Right. And if you <laughs> go in, yeah, yeah. The, it is going to always feel weird because you're always, it's going to be harder to get lost in it. I think more what we're going to see is a lot more environmental play around with more environmental effects, things that are happening yeah. to you. What is the weather patterns happen when you're four miles down on a, on the side of a cliff face? Yeah. You know, what is, what is happening around you? What is it like in midday when the sun comes shining through there is it much hotter is it much colder does mm -hmm. it create updrafts does it you know do this thing and we've talked a little bit about not trying to describe or explain every single thing um but it does help you to try to i was thinking about how am i going to describe it to my players when they're hanging from that rope because really you can say we're going to use a spell that lets us fly for an hour but you better have somewhere to land in an hour because at some point you're going to be an hour down and this thing still keeps going yeah. You know, an hour fly spell is not going to get you there. You know, an eight hour fly spell is not going to get you there. You could say, I'm going to use a parachute. Well, you're going to be falling for a very, very long time. So that doesn't quite work out that way. So just the idea of um, how are you going to explain it? How are you going to do it? And when do they decide to go into the world again? And how long do they stay outside of the world? And what does yeah. that affect them? What creatures live off that kind of stuff? Ooh, Rim Shield Frost Giant. <laughs> I got that one too. That's cool. That same. Oh, I did uh, finally get it. I've been looking. I had not gotten one. I finally got cleric class. This is the one that I was oh. playing in arena and the guy whooped me with. That was a good one. How do you level up? Do you just pay the mana cost? Uh, yeah. So if you would gain life, you gain that much life plus one instead. Uh, you pay. 
um, one white and three any other color to go to level two. Whenever you gain life, put a plus one, plus one counter on target, and then you can pay mana to go to three. So I'm guessing at once per turn you can pay the mana, or there might be rules if you can do it more than once in a turn. Mm. Um, you pay the mana cost to level your character up. Okay. Gain the next level as a sorcery to add it to its ability. It's called an enchantment. And it's a class. So you must have to put it on a creature, would be my guess. No, it's an enchantment, so it sits out. Yeah. I think enchantments just sit out on the... Well, um, I also got this. Uh, our, some friends... Uh, well, uh, T- TCGplayers.com. Uh, they do a lot of card games. Mm-hmm. Tradable card games. Uh, they sent me a booster pack of collector boosters... So, Lucian, you're going to be really jealous because these have 10 traditional foils, five rares, and two extended art cards in every box. (laughs) So I'm hoping to get some really interesting stuff. Uh, But tonight, I'm going to open these. Um, uh, I'm going to do a live stream, I think. And we're just going to open a bunch of these packets and and casually chat about the art and the lore. Volo, that's very good. I'm jealous. Volo Guide to Monsters. So, uh, come hang out tonight on the Jordan with the Silent PH channel, and I'm going to do some live stream. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Give me, give me two more packs here. Well, do it. Two more after this one. So, uh, what's Jordan going to be? So, what games do you have coming up that you're going to play? Um, no, this I think week. I'm going to run Usually that Dungeon Crawl Classics. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think I'm going to do that on Saturdays. I'm trying to figure out uh, time and and people, but I have some friends that are interested. Uh, and I don't know. Flumpf. It's, flumpf. it's funny because I've been wanting to do like a, a big old year long campaign, but I get so distracted between, uh, yeah, I got Gwenevar. Nice. But I get so distracted between, um, all these different systems I want to play and try, you know? <laughs> well, right. Well, we have been talking, you've been reading, um, uh, it's right there on my show. Oh yeah. Tolis or no. Forbidden Lands. Forbidden Call Lands, it, that's another one I want to run, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, thanks, Gary. Uh, the stream will be at probably 7 or 8 my time, but I'll upload a video. Uh, and I'm in Mountain, sorry. So it'll be probably 6 or 7 Pacific to this evening. Um, but I'll, I'll upload a placeholder video uh, mm-hmm. at some point. So you'll know the time. But, Got a Dire Wolf Prowler in that pack. Hive of the Eye Tyrant. So we got a land where the Beholder hangs out. Cool basic land. This is a cool land. I want to go to these planes. I think that's under... Uh, I think that's Netheril. I think that's underneath the Anorak Desert. Venturing beneath the desert sands, you've discovered an alien power pulsing within the Yeah, I thought that was power. a really cool card. I mean, it's a yeah. basic land, but I just like the art and the flavor text of it. I throw so. it in. Okay, last one, and we'll, we'll shut this thing down. We don't normally go late, but thank you guys for bearing with us. It's 2 a.m. in the U.K. It's been fun. Oh, no. Oh, no. Stay with us, U.K. Oh, no. Sorry. 2 a.m. will be the stream tonight. It's afternoon in the U.K. right now. It's I just want this card just because of what it says, everybody. Roll for initiative. I'm going to keep that just to throw it on the on the game table. That's it, everybody. Roll for initiative. Let's see if we got anything. Last one. Did we get anything good? What am I missing that I should really, really get? The 50 foot of rope. Everybody should have that. <gasps> All right. I got, I got my final card, our favorite card. This is the... Um, this would be the card that is... The MVP of our total, our Tomb of Annihilation campaign. This is the one thing that got talked about the most. This is the thing we bring up all the time from going through Tomb of Annihilation last year with Danimal. The Frog Hemoth. I do like a good Frog Hemoth. The best fight we had. It created the most stories. We ended up, one of our characters took on the aspect of the Frog Hemoth God um, who kind of identifies with that. So you get some of the abilities of that to take on a Sarak. Um, this was a really cool part of a can. That's like the story we'll tell when we talk about that campaign. We talk about the frog Hemoth all the time. That's so cool. So I got a cool frog Hemoth card. All right. That was 20 packs. 
I've got some really cool cards. That made me want to go buy 20 or 50 or 100 more packs. <laughs> um, you know, uh, Dungeons & Dragons or Magic the Gathering or Wizards of the Coast, if you want to sponsor the show and send us more packs, we would love it. Um, please, please. Other than that, I'm going to go play on Arena so I can collect them all because that's probably the only other way I could collect them all. I don't know. Or i got to spend a bunch of money. Yeah. you got to stop buying so uh, cool. motorcycles. So. <laughs> all right everybody thank you so much for watching we will be kind of a different stream but uh thanks for humoring us we just were excited about <laughs> cards and stuff uh we will see you guys next week with more news and talking about our rpg games uh take care everybody